Thanks for joining us at Liberty Station tonight. Uh, Bryce, Eddie, and I have a wonderful guest. He's a, he's a returning guest. Uh, he's, he's actually probably one of the most profound in California because he was running for governor, and I honestly think he should have won. Yeah. Um, and, of course, statewide races in California, uh, they're a little suspect. That's all i got to say about that. But this man put his entire career on hold for the sake of the nation, and uh, a lot of people got behind him, and it was a very exciting campaign. Um, he is a tireless defender of liberty. He's spoken in our church, mm-hmm. and uh, I... I I, I just really appreciate this man. He's a great treasure. And he, yeah. when he was here last time at God Speak, and he spoke about his relationship with his dad, uh, you, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. It was one of the most profound messages. I, I was very touched by it. If you guys don't know who it is by now, it's 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 the great Larry Elder. Uh, Larry, welcome to Liberty Station. Thanks for joining us. Pastor, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I, before we began, uh, we were talking... And uh, one of the things that I had brought up to you that we had both had the privilege to kind of get a preview of, not in its entirety, I mean, a few of you got to see more footage than I did, but it's the uh, movie by Dinesh D'Souza called 2,000 Mules. And I I haven't really shared with the audience uh, what that movie's about. If if you want to, you're welcome to. I was just in Phoenix at the Turning Point USA Investors Retreat, and Dinesh was there, and he went into more depth, but you want to set it up for everybody? Sure. You know, Pastor and Bryce, I could talk for hours about the 2020 election. Uh, it was clearly stolen slash rigged. You use your use your favorite word. But the, the book, bas- the movie basically talks about the fact that um, there were 2000 so-called mules. These were people that were hired to stuff these so-called drop boxes full of ballots. And um, they have an algorithm, a, a geospacing kind of thing. It's very high techy. Uh, in order to find people that went to a whole bunch of uh, these drop boxes uh, within a certain period of time, uh, at least 10 different drop boxes. They didn't even get to the people that went to seven or eight or six or five, and there were a lot of them that did. These are just, you can call them the 2,000 most egregious instances in which people who were clearly yeah. hired and paid by the Democrats were stuffing these um, boxes full of ballots. Now, if you look at the election, uh, in, 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 these were all in cities in key swing states. Cities like Atlanta, Philadelphia, Detroit, Milwaukee, uh, and uh, in areas that were heavily black because that's where the Democrat votes are. And we're supposed to believe that Joe Biden, campaigning from his basement uh, and not leaving, got greater number of black votes than Barack Obama did in 2008-2012. It defies logic. And now you have video evidence. This is literally video evidence of these mules going from drop box to drop box to drop box. Now, it's legal for you to drop your own box in there or to drop a relative's box in there, but these guys apparently had a whole boatload of relatives and they were stuffing all these ballots, all these uh, drop boxes full of ballots. Now, uh, during the during my campaign, one of the first questions was, do you believe 2020 election was stolen? Uh, and Pastor and Bryce, I would say, well, I'm here to talk about crime. I'm here to talk about homelessness. I'm here to talk about the way Gavin Newsom shut down the state in a more severe way than they did the other, other 49 governors. Yeah, but do you believe 2020 was stolen? I'm here to talk about the fact that people are leaving California for the first time. I'm here to talk about the fact that the average price of a home in California is 175% more than the average price of a home outside of California. Yeah, but do you believe 2020 was stolen? So finally, I broke it down. And I said, yes, I do. And I talked about Michigan, where the Secretary of State sent in applications for mail-in ballots to every single registered voter, whether or not the voter requested one or not. 
uh, which uh, I believe is illegal. And it was litigated uh, two to one. The uh, Michigan Supreme Court didn't take up the case, but the appellate courts did. And they ruled two to one not to take up the case on procedural grounds. But there was a dissent filed, and the dissent was very compelling. And it said we should take up this case, and there were shenanigans. Uh, Pennsylvania, uh, both uh, Alan Dershowitz, a left-wing professor, and a guy named Jonathan Turley, also a left-wing professor, both of whom worked for Obama two times, both said that uh, Pennsylvania used COVID to extend the deadlines after which they would collect these ballots. They thought it was unlawful, and they both predicted that, A, the Supreme Court would take up the case, and B, if they did, Trump would win it. Well, they were wrong on both cases, uh, because on both counts, because the Supreme Court didn't take up the case. But you're talking about two bright, compelling major scholars, both of right. whom felt that what Pennsylvania did uh, was, uh, at best, dodgy, and worst, illegal. And then there's Wisconsin. Wisconsin Supreme Court did take up the case four to three. They also ruled on procedural grounds not to uh, uh, not to overturn the election because they claimed that Donald Trump waited too long. But there were three dissents that were filed, including by the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. She talked about all these drop boxes that she thought were, were illegal. Now, after that case was decided, just a few weeks ago, a circuit court uh, judge in, in uh, Wakisha, Wakasha rather, uh, said that none of these ballots uh, boxes are legal, and going forward, they're not going to be able to use them. So those are three states alone, and, and you look at the the margin of defeat in three states, 40,000 votes, and clearly those three states could have gone the other way uh, because you had dissents that were filed in every single case, and had those dissents uh, been the majority decision, Donald Trump would have clearly won those cases. Now, those states. Now, the, the Hunter Biden story, for crying out loud, there was a study that found 16% of Biden voters say, had they known about the Hunter Biden story, the laptop, clearly connecting Joe with the knowledge of what his, what his son Hunter was doing, they would not have voted for Biden. And that story was spiked, Twitter spiked it. And then later on, the CEO of Twitter admitted that he shouldn't have done it and apologized after the damage had been done. And then of course you had this two and a half year collusion, BS uh, whole investigation. Yeah. Uh, so, and then you look, and then you look at, the, at the coverage. ABC, NBC, CBS, for the entirety of this man's presidency, 91% of the news was negative. And that's why his numbers were down so far. I'll say one more thing. I know I'm, I'm going off on this because it really you're my favorite. You're my favorite kind of guest, Larry. Uh, one question, and I just take a, I just relax and love <laughs> listening. So if you, no apologies <laughs> necessary. Run, man, run. Get in the hammock, hammock. Get you a ham and cheese sandwich. Just take <laughs> back and watch the whole show. And so, and so, Pat, Pastor Bob and Bryce, I finally said this. <clears throat> Do me a favor and ask my opponent, Gavin Newsom, if he believes 2016 was stolen. And then they gave me this deer in the headlight look. I said there were two major findings in the 1,000-page report done by the uh, Senate committee uh, investigating the 2016 election. Conclusion one. The Russians tried mightily to change vote tallies, but they failed to change a single vote tally, not one. Uh, YouGov poll found 66% of Democrats believe the Russians, quote, change vote tallies, close quote, to elect Donald Trump. The other finding is we can't determine one way or the other whether or not the Russian interference altered the outcome of the election. Gallup poll, 78% of Democrats believe the Russian interference, quote, altered the outcome of the election. In other words, a greater percentage of Democrats believe 2016 was stolen. The Republicans have felt the same way about 2020, yet nobody ever asked uh, any of these Democrats how they feel about 2016. And finally, there's this. 
For the entirety of President Trump's term, Hillary Clinton referred to him as illegitimate, her word, not mine, and said the election was stolen, her word, not mine. And yet all three of the major platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, Hillary is still there, even though she's been promoting, quote, unquote, the big lie about 2016. Uh, it is just awful the way Donald Trump has been treated. The double standard just smacks you in the face, and nobody but nobody seems to feel there's something wrong with the fact that Democrats clearly falsely believe 2016 uh, was a fraudulent election. Uh, and we, we raised questions about 2020 and we're sore losers or we're conspiracy theorists or we're, or we're Trump mad people. It's just incredibly, incredibly unfair. That's right. So uh, That's right. I, uh, I watched it and, and thought, I mean, it was a mind-boggling um, smoking gun, as clear as you could ever um, see. Um, but my, my question along those lines is, we have so many people that are committed to uh, either it was stolen and or it was a perfectly great even on the Republican side it was a perfectly run uh, election you, you know what 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 is the reaction going to be Larry think? before you jump in uh, Dinesh said something really kind of cool I thought he said it's the wildebeest mindset for the Republicans yeah. he said here comes the lion well it didn't eat me so everything's okay. And that's kind of how they treated right. the, the election results. And then the other thing he said was Republicans focused on the campaign and Democrats focused on the election. Yeah, I, I thought that was fascinating. And, and with Bryce's question and my comments, what do you got? And I'm going to get my ham sandwich. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, 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 here's my analogy, guys. Uh, I've lost uh, at least three very good friends, one of whom was actually best man at my wedding when I got married almost 40 years ago. Um and because of Donald Trump. Uh, my friend has a uh, special needs son, and he believes that Donald Trump mocked a handicapped reporter. Uh, as you know, Donald Trump did no such thing. He was mocking that reporter's retreat from a story that he had written, uh, a story that Donald Trump referred to when Donald Trump said that there were Muslims who were celebrating the fall of the towers. Uh, Donald Trump said that, and a bunch of reporters went, went nuts because they scrutinized every word he says. And they couldn't find any story where uh, a reporter talked about this. But Donald Trump found the story. Uh, I think the reporter was either with the New York Times or the Washington Post and pointed out to the story. So they went back to the reporter and said, did you, got, did you write this and did you believe this? And then the, and then the uh, reporter retreated from his own story. And then, then Donald Trump mocked the retreat and went, well, I'm not sure. I don't remember it. And um, it's the same gesture that Donald Trump himself. He used it to mock an able-bodied general. Donald Trump is a is a comedian, and he uses that gesture a lot. So I sent my friend a three-page letter, and I included a link to a website called Catholics for the number four Trump, having video of Donald Trump using that gesture to mock a whole bunch of people. Uh, and my friend still insisted that Donald Trump, quote, mock a handicapped reporter. And by the way, my friend got a perfect score on his SAT. He is brilliant. And I learned from that that people are so invested in their hatred of Donald Trump, they don't want to unhate him. So facts aren't going to matter. The only thing right. that's going to matter is if you can drag people uh, and make them watch uh, this this movie, 2,000 Mules, and tape their eyeballs open, open with tape so they can't close them. And then maybe, just maybe, they'll rethink that their, their assumption that this was a perfectly fun election when, in fact, it was not. Yeah, it's some kind of crazy yeah. cult. It's, it's, a, it, it's, it's bizarre to me. Well, okay, so let, let, let's let's shift gears a little bit. You got a pack, uh, and this pack is is critical, especially in California, because um, 
I, I was sitting with a pastor yesterday um, when, when we were dealing with this whole thing of the Conejo uh, pastors unifying for Easter, and we've been kind of, I don't know, castigated because we decided to stay open and, and they wanted to make an issue of us. Well, one of the pastors and his wife came to visit me and wanted to reconcile. Really sweet. I mean, I was really moved by it. And they were kind of taken aback by Vody Bauckham and James Lindsay and critical race theory. Like, where do I find out this information? How do I know this? And and Larry, you know it. I know it. And James, Dr. James Lindsay said, if I was still an angry atheist, the tool that I would use to destroy the church would be critical race theory. And, and, and it's going into our, it's, it's in our schools. It's in every institution in America, even the church. Tell us about this pact. Tell us about why you are so against critical race theory. You have more melanin than I do. Um, and, and so folks are looking at you going, well, I don't know. That's an Uncle Tom. We got a problem here. It has nothing to do with the content of melanin. So take, take it from there. What do you it got? It is not. I set up a pack called Elder for America, and I'm asking people to throw a little something in a tip jar because uh, it, it is critically important that we get school choice uh, in our educational system. Before this governor shut down the state in a more severe way than did the other 49 governors, 75% of black boys in the third grade could not read at state proficiency levels, and the math scores are no better. Half of all third graders in our government schools in California cannot read at state proficiency levels, and those levels are low, by the way. And again, the math scores are not much better. And they're indoctrinating these kids with this nonsense called critical race theory. And by the way, sometimes they'll even use that word, the the term critical race theory. They use some other uh, euphemism. All it is is tell young young kids, uh, if you're kids of color, that you're a victim. And if you're white, you should feel guilty about things you had nothing whatever to do with. It's divisive. It's a cancer. uh, And it needs to be excised. And so my PAC is going to be campaigning for a school choice, campaigning to get rid of critical race theory, campaigning also to get rid of these soft on crime DAs that are releasing people who who are just... For, uh, parading over uh, uh, inner city kids, uh, inner city people, uh, because the disproportionately high number of these bad guys are, are maiming and killing and robbing people uh, in so-called areas of color. And these are the areas that people like Gavin Newsom and the left claim they care about. Yeah. One of the reasons I got into this is that Gavin Newsom was sitting up there at that uh, uh, French laundry restaurant, kicking back with the very people that drafted the mandates that they were not abiding by. They were not wearing masks. They were not engaging in social distancing. And Gavin Newsom had his own kids enjoying in-person private education while our own kids were denied a whole nother year uh, of education. And, and the proof is in the pudding. There was a study years ago done by an institution called the Fordham Institution that looked at where teachers were sending their own school-age kids. Nationwide, around 11% of uh, families have their kids in private school. Around 6% of black families do. 44% of Philadelphia public school teachers with school-age kids had their own kids in private schools. 39% Seriously? Chicago kids, yeah. 28% uh, LAUSD, their own kids, school-age kids in private school. And as I said, I think at your church too, Pastor, that's the equivalent of open up a sign saying, uh, c- come on in, eat the food. We, The people that know, that know the school system the best are not putting their own kids in it. It is outrageous, and we need to take back the schools. And the only way to do that is to give parents a choice. And that's one of the big things that I'm doing for America. How is the school choice uh, campaign going? Um, uh, 
I, I feel like it was a little late uh, in, in getting, you know, really taking traction. off this year and traction. Um, what are your thoughts there? I think there's some marketing issues with calling it school choice. I, I've got some other thoughts, but just want to get your take on it right now. Well, initially, there were competing uh, school choice uh, initiatives, uh, and I thought it was foolish because we were cannibalizing the vote. But yep. ultimately, one of them uh, and decided to put their, uh, put their uh, support behind the, the other one. And so it seems to me it's going to qualify for the ballot, yeah, and, good, and I'm good. going to get behind it. And uh, I think there's a good chance of it. If you look at the polls, inner city parents having been able to watch what the kind of kids were, education kids were getting virtually or realizing how bad it is, and the majority of urban parents, black and it's Repeat that again, the, the, the internet cut out on you, that last part. I, I said um, polls show that uh, black and brown support school choice. The question is, what about people living living in the suburbs? Because they've already made their school choice, and that's called a zip code. They move somewhere where the schools are better. The question is whether or not people living in the suburbs uh, will be will, will tolerate, will support school choice for fear that it might cause a decline in the quality of their own local schools. That's really what the, what the real question is. People in the inner city know they're getting the worst teachers, the worst principals, the worst bureaucrats, the worst results. It's the, it's the people who are in the suburbs that I'm concerned about uh, whether or not they're going to support school choice. Yeah. Well, if I could give you my quick pitch, I think we need to reframe it as uh, fund students, not institutions, which is Corey DeAngelis's uh, way of saying it, um, because it also can benefit if we do it right, benefit homeschool families as well. And and a lot of the folks in the inner city, there isn't places for them to go um, very easily. So if you if you do that, you know, the money following the students, um, you know, as a campaign, right. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Right. That's the line I often use. The money should follow the student rather than the other way around. And, and you're right. Yeah. It, it's a much more powerful way of, of, uh, of explaining it. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it isn't is doesn't the, that money belong to the taxpayer? I mean, it's it's going to the education that the and this is the education they prefer. And if you're if you're going to tell us that uh, we're not allowed to practice our faith and 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 they must go to a secular school, that's freedom. That's freedom from religion. That's not freedom of religion. That's indoctrination. And so you, if, if this is our conscience, let us use our tax dollars towards that direction. Um, Amen. it's our money. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't get it. Absolutely. Um, when Barack Obama became president, one of the first things he tried to do was shut down the community, uh, scholarship program that allowed a certain amount of money. If you were able to be lucky enough to be chosen for the program, uh, to be used for whatever school you want. Again, the money would be following the student rather than the other way around. Uh, it was set up some years ago and every time the time is up for it to be renewed, the Democrats try and shut it down. Now, when Obama was 10 years old, he was living in Indonesia with his mom and his stepfather. And she felt his education was insufficient. She sent him back to Hawaii to live with his maternal grandparents. grandparents yeah. So he could end up Uno. going to the finest prep school in the entire state of Hawaii. He graduates from there, then comes to L.A., where I am right now, and for two years goes to a private college called Occidental, finishes up at an Ivy League school called Columbia, then goes to Harvard, where he goes to law school. The girl, Sasha Malia, K-12, 
never set foot in a government school. They went to a private school that was run by the teachers who worked at University of Chicago. They set up their own private school. That's where Sasha Malia went. And then when Obama goes to Washington, D.C., Hillary, uh, uh, Michelle made a big deal out of it, out of checking out all the schools, including public schools, and put them in a Sidwell Friends, $40,000 a year, the same school that Chelsea Clinton went to. And even Michelle Robinson, before she married Obama, she did go to a government high school, but it wasn't her nearby government high school. It was too bad. Her parents put her on a bus and she went to a school much further out. We now call that school choice. So if you look at the yeah. Obamas, they benefited for themselves and for their and for the daughters uh, through school choice or through private education. But they want to deny you the same opportunity. It is absolutely outrageous. And there are libertarian. There, there are two major think tanks in this country on the left and on the right. The, the left one is called the Brookings Institution, and one of the major ones on the right is called the uh, American Enterprise Institution. And while they might phrase it somewhat differently, they say here are the following steps you need to follow to escape poverty. Number one, finish high school. Uh, yeah. Presumably, one where you can read, write, and compute at grade level. And so, the step number one is the one that Democrats are putting obstacles uh, in the path of people, and it's just outrageous, absolutely outrageous. And that should be a critical uh, civil rights issue of the 21st century. And if, if Republicans are smart, they would pound and pound and pound, not just on how much beneficial how beneficial it'll it'll be, uh, but on how hypocritical these Democrats like Barack Obama are to stop parents from having the same kinds of advantages that they had themselves or that uh, they gave their daughters. Larry, I want to, I want to switch gears and, and this is going to, I know you're limited on time. Maybe this will be our last question for him. Cause I know he's got stuff to do, but I, uh, I, for, for the majority of my working life, I've been a minister. Prior to that, I was a, a salesman, a divisional manager for Unilever and uh, area manager. Um, and then I went into the ministry where I've been my married life for the most part. And then I ran for office um, and, and, and won the primary, lost the general, and then won the election and won re-election. And I have to tell you, um, it, it changed me as a person because uh, in, instead, of, instead of every Sunday speaking to um, uh, the home team advantage, to, to a, a, a group of people who hold the same values I do, uh, I, in a pluralistic society, going out into the the expanse of the community in which I reside and hearing the voices, it changed me, and I think it made me a better minister. Here you are, uh, for a large swath of your life, a conservative talk show host, speaking to a crowd that's tuning in because they like what you have to say. Now, a lot of them convert to, as we say, they get red-pilled or they get based, Um but then you're out there and you want to represent the entirety of the state of California. What did you learn and did it change you um, and, and how so? And I know it was for the better because there's a I'm not going to say there's a softer side to you, but I, I've seen you kind of um, develop uh, in, in, in some of the positions you hold. Help me with that. I, I think folks want to hear that because it's a healthy thing to be a part of the system in which we govern ourselves. Well, it's, it's one thing to sit on the bench uh, and criticize the coaches and criticize the plays. Another thing to literally get in the game. Uh, and what I found is that people want hope. People want somebody who they can believe in. And so many people on the left, in the center, and on the right understand that this state is going in the wrong direction. Uh, the crime, the homelessness, 
the, the decline in the public schools, as we talked about, the way about a third of all restaurants were shut forever because of the way Gavin Newsom responded to COVID. Now, a lot of people don't like the idea of voting for somebody with an R at the end of their name, but they do want somebody who they feel cares and they feel uh, are sincere. And so, frankly, I was motivated by that. Uh, I, I, um, I was... Um, not surprised by the hostility on the part of the media. Uh, as you know, Pastor Rob, I was called the black face of white supremacy by a black female reporter in the LA Times. Another and you got to pretzel reporter yourself on that called, one. <laughs> uh, a Latina reporter, a Latina columnist, rather, called me, called my views white supremacist. Uh, Tavis Smiley, who's a black uh, uh, commentator on NPR and PBS formerly, uh, referred to my views as anti black. Uh, so I was not surprised by the hostility of the media, but I was surprised by the growing number of people who told me they were Democrats or independents, had never, ever thought about voting for a Republican, but for crying out loud, the state's going in the wrong direction and we need to have uh, we need to have real change. So I was um, um, surprised by that. I, as you know, as soon as I announced, I became the front runner right away uh, in terms of re replacement candidates. I got 3.5 million votes, more than all the major Republican rivals combined. Uh, I raised $22 million in seven weeks. Again, and the major Republican rivals combined on uh, the 58 counties in California on their placement side. We carried 57. The only one I didn't carry was San Francisco. And I lost that by, wait for it, 149 votes. We didn't spend one dime or, or one minute campaigning there. So I was really pleased at the reception. And I think people are waiting to hear the truth. And that's what I try to tell them, the truth. That's solid. When when Mike Huckabee was a minister and he decided to run for the Senate in Arkansas, it, they hadn't had a Republican in a statewide seat since, I think, before Reconstruction. And, and he ended up losing that. But then, of course, Clinton got promoted to president and then uh, the lieutenant governor became governor. And there was a special election for lieutenant governor. And Mike ran for that and won. And and they locked him out of out of his office and it took court orders to get him in. He won re-election, and then, of course, the governor went on to get indicted and sent to prison. Mike becomes the governor and then wins re-election and turns out uh, as the governor. And when he leaves office, every statewide seat is held by a Republican in the legislature, which was 130 seats and maybe a dozen Republicans. It was a complete reversal. The whole state changed because of one man. I, 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 you, you actually inspired up and down the state folks to want to change for their state and really believe that there is a possibility. Now, we, we do have, we, we are the uh, patient zero for corruption and the mail-in ballots and the harvesting and all of that. The, and the reason why I led with a 2,000 mules question is because the one thing we have in, in all of the speculation, and we've been through this, that, you know, uh, the, the voting machines are changing it and blah, blah, blah. We don't have any concrete evidence. What we do have with this Dinesh D'Souza movie that's going to be premiering is an exchange of money to hire these mules, photographs of them inserting, taking a picture, and sending it back for proof of remuneration for for their efforts. And, and taking off their gloves. Their and rubber gloves the and throwing them away. We have all of that. Do you, it's compelling. you you're, you're not a sore loser, but uh, the one thing that, that Californians struggle with with a statewide election is, I mean, be, before before the polls closed, it was over. And he got as That's many right. votes, he got as many votes in his recall as he did in his election, which is like to almost almost to the exact number. 
any of yeah, that kind of hit you as, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it almost defies logic. Uh, I, I will say that in the recall election, he had to spend 50% more per voter in order to win by the same margin as he won uh, for election. But but it does, it does you know, uh, attacks your, your your common sense. You look at uh, recently there was an article about the 10 major issues uh, voters are concerned about in California, whether it's the budget, whether it's schools, whether it's the economy, uh, whether it's uh, COVID, whether it's fire management, water management, uh, the fact that people are leaving, cost of living. Gavin Newsom was underwater on every single one of these issues and, and dramatically so when it came to crime and homelessness. The only issue he was above water, and that was just by one point, was climate change. So the man is underwater on every one of the uh, on nine out of 10 issues, barely even on one of them. Uh, his, his approval rating was 48%. Uh, his approval rating on September the 14th last year, the year of uh, the day of the, ele- of the recall election was 50%. So uh, we're supposed to believe that uh, somebody who's behind on all these major counts had popularity approval of just 50%, uh, won by 24 points, just as he did when he first ran in 2018. Uh, I'm sorry, it strains, it strains logic and common sense. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to be a sore loser. I'm not going to say there was some sort of yeah. ballot stuffing and all that kind of thing. I'm just saying something smells rotten. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the thing I noticed was he was sweating bullets uh, up until about a month before. And it was almost as if uh, he got what? calm, like, okay, this is going to work out. Now, again, I'm not suggesting anything, but I found that odd. Well, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, said, and, and as did uh, Newsom's campaign manager, under no scenario will Trump be reelected. She was telegraphing. And then, and, and then when you talked about the calmness that came over the governor, when his campaign manager said there's no scenario in which the governor will not be yeah. uh, uh, um, yeah. removed from office and and I, I thought you know that's 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 pretty gutsy but this is the part that at least for me we watch as Republicans outraise Democrats across the nation and we hear the tallies but Democrats are really not concerned with the money that's raised for the campaign it's the nefarious money of Zuckerberg that goes to these drop boxes and now we've got this 2000 mule thing they they get this dark money that does you know terrible injustice to our system and i i know we're all working towards that we got to figure it out we got to be smarter we can't throw up our hands and quit we remember florida with the hanging chads and the dimpled ballots and and that was the first state to have all of its votes tallied on election night it, we can turn a state around and i just want to say thank you larry for not giving up on the state amen well, Pastor Rob, when I got into the race, uh, the recall was losing. Uh, then when I announced, all of a sudden, it went into the margin of error. That's what scared Gavin Newsom to death. He called in Obama, who cut a commercial for him. He called in Bernie Sanders, who cut a commercial for him. Elizabeth Warren cut a commercial for him. Joe Biden flew out and campaigned with him. And they all said the same thing. Stop the Republican takeover. Nobody said the magical words, Gavin Newsom has done a fine job for the people of California. I'll leave with one more thing. I was in a restaurant yeah. a couple weeks ago. Got there early, my buddy wasn't there yet. So I'm sitting there, and I think the table next to me felt sorry for me because I was just sitting there. And so I started talking with these two ladies. They were 85 years old. One of them was celebrating her birthday. Uh, they'd known each other since the second grade, very charming story. Uh, one of them said she was a, uh, a human rights activist. The other one said she was a psychotherapist. Uh, they said they were Jewish. And then in the middle of the conversation, one of them pointed at me and said, wait a minute, I know you. You ran for governor of California. 
I said, that's right. She said, you're Larry Elder. I said, that's right. Big smile on her face. She said, guess who I voted for? I said, you didn't vote for me? And she said, how do you know that? I said, let's see. You're Jewish. We're in the West Side uh, restaurant in, in L.A. Uh, you're a human rights activist. You're a psychotherapist. It doesn't take Colombo to figure that out. You did not vote for me. And she said, you're right. I didn't. And I said, how do you feel about crime? And they both went off and, and knew people that had been burglarized. How do you feel about the homicide? They both went off and said, it's outrageous they're letting thugs out of the street. How do you feel about the quality of our schools? Uh, outrageous, we put our own own kids in private school. How do you feel about the cost of living? I know people have left California, they said, because of the cost of living. I said, here we are completing each other's sentences and yet you didn't vote for me. And I'll tell you why. I said, because you could not bring yourself to pull that lever for a... <laughs> Republican. <laughs> and they, started, they started laughing and they said, you're right. What are you drinking? They bought my drinks. They bought my dinner. We had a good time. <laughs> oh, man. I could, them, I could tell, no kidding, that was the first time in their lives they had a rational, lengthy conversation with a conservative and they had no idea what to say. I mentioned about the facts about the third grade uh, uh, black kids not being able to read, about half of the uh, all fifth graders in California not being able to read at proficient levels. I knew, and, and they had no idea those numbers. They just knew the school system was so bad they didn't want their kids in it. And I'm just saying that once you sit rational people down and explain things in a rational way, they can change. And um, yeah. I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation uh, with these two people. Uh, over a longer conversation with California, maybe, just maybe, I could have changed a few more minds. I don't know, but I'm not giving up. I'm not going to run against Good. him again. In I kept the door open for a future run for something else. Wonderful. Well, that's why that's why I opened by saying you're the great Larry Elder, and and I I am so thankful that that God crossed my path with yours. I, I, one of the greatest honors of my life is when you called me and told me that you're running, and I was even more blessed to have you come and speak at God Speak. And uh, I, I consider you a dear friend, and um, Larry, thank you, and thanks for not giving up on the state. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep we'll keep plowing away. We're to be faithful. The results are up to the Lord, but keep keep doing what you're doing because you're doing great. God bless you, brother. As it says in Esther, for such a time as this, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank See you, Larry. Take God care. bless. You too. What a sweet man. Uh, he's awesome. Seriously. And and everything about him is just, there's a joy. He smiles when he talks, but he just doesn't relent. He's just, yeah, yeah. He's just on you, and he's just going. And and, and the facts, and, the, and you know, he, he's, he's erudite. He, he, he is, he, the grasp of topics and the way that he can just go straight to the jugular and and he's your enemy, but you love him. I mean, if you're on the opposing, he's not my enemy, but you know, if, if you're on the opposing yeah. side, and it's just like you know, trying to defend yourself from a, a a fire hose when you're a pile of sand. Yeah, well, he's been he's been instrumental in in changing a lot of people's oh. minds over time. You know, I've listened to him for for years on yeah. talk radio, and and his uh, if if people haven't watched it, his um, talk with um, Dave Rubin, yeah, um, where where you saw him change Dave Rubin's mind on things was just epic to watch. It was masterful it, seriously and he's done so much for the state of california and, and for the conservative movement uh and it, and it has faced all kinds of trials as a result of it and he's just unrelenting yeah my mother she passed away a, a few years ago she absolutely adored larry and uh she she would be so thrilled to know that i've had the chance to meet yeah. him and i actually i, I seriously he's my friend i mean I, I never thought i'd see that day where i'd be able yeah. to you know oh, i got to a, shake his hand he came terrible. to the chair i just love the guy there ain't anything i won't do for him so yeah, it's great uh wonderful well folks 
that was the great Larry Elder, another wonderful Liberty Station. So so blessed that you joined us. And uh, stick around tomorrow night. We've got another wonderful guest. Larry Elder was here tonight. Oh, wow. All right. God bless you guys. Good night, everybody. Good night.